Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. March has come and gone, and one year the pandemic has been marked. As I sat down to write this introduction, I kept coming back to that and I don't really have anything to say about it, but I felt like acknowledging it. I hope you all continue to hang in there, and if you can swing it, man, get to therapy. I've been trying to get a therapist since this past fall, and I finally made it happen, and wow, it is worth every penny, truly. Speaking of money, I like it, and when you give it to me, it feels good. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to show your support of perceived value, become our patron on Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform where you, the patron, name what you give. It could be a dollar, it could be five bucks, it could be 20. Important news for my current patrons, I will be updating my Patreon account to charge you per month instead of per creation. Currently, when I release a podcast episode, I charge my patrons. That means if you pledged $1 per creation and I release two episodes in a month, you are charged $2 at the end of the month. Going monthly means if you pledge $1 at the end of each month, you're charged $1. Now, as an avid budgeter, I think this is the better route because you as a patron know exactly what you are giving to perceive value regardless of how many episodes I release. I'll be making the shift in the month of May so you have a whole other month to update your pledge if necessary. And of course, I'll be giving more reminders. If you don't have spare cash to give and you still want to show your support for the podcast, rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify and Google Play, and I'm sure you can rate and review us on there as well, but iTunes is where your ratings and reviews are most effective. I noticed a few new reviews this last month, and I want to say thank you for that because it is so, so important. So give us that rate and review. Before we get to the interview, I had a longtime listener reach out And if they're listening right now, oh my gosh, I promise I'm going to reply to your email. But before I do, I wanted to ask for my listeners in Berlin, I know there are some of you out there, if you have resources you could share for a jeweler metalsmith hoping to connect with the greater community. Are there collectives or communal studio spaces? I know it's weird during COVID, but are there any kind of like guilds or art jewelry networks similar to that of like the Canadian metal aid? Let me know. Slide into my DMs. Shoot me an email. What's up, Berlin? Help me out. Today's guest is an artist based in Philadelphia. I tend to refer to her as a blacksmith, but that's not entirely correct. It's simply 
one technique amongst many in her toolbox. She primarily makes objects out of metal with a focus on utilitarian use. She rides the most beautiful bicycle that she of course built herself, and she'll gladly make you a delicious meal that you'll eat with the most beautiful forged and filed brass flatware. Over the past few years, Rachel Kettinger has become one of my best friends, and you know, that is not why she is on the podcast. I chose to interview her because, well, she's an amazing human who recently did a really selfless thing, and I wanted to share that story, especially because, you know, there was a chance it could really affect her studio practice, and she went all in regardless, because that's the kind of person she is. So... Please welcome today's guest, Rachel Kettinger. Etc. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that feel good? Mm-hmm. Is the thing? Yeah, this is good. Yeah. Um, you chilling? Yeah. Okay. Great. I love it. Um, <laughs> it feels so weird to be doing this. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel weird to be talking to you because I talk to you a lot. Yeah. But it feels weird to have my microphone set up and feel like I'm recording a podcast interview in person right because oh my goodness yes i am yeah yeah what's up Uh it's happening (sighs) it's march oh it's march 14th today oh that's two days before our when i got laid off last year oh really Mm -hmm. oh that's fun Mm -hmm. it's also pie day today oh cool which the interview said or the internet told me oh that's great Mm -hmm. yeah pie Mm -hmm. day Mm -hmm. um yeah, I distinctly remember March 16th was right. the day that we were like, okay, um, you're not coming back here tomorrow because we don't know what's happening. Yeah, uh, like sign up for unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't actually come right away. My company oh, really? was like, it took like a day or two. Well, they really had to think things through about how to like approach it and et cetera. But yeah. we did have a, yeah, it was probably like a day or two later. And then they're like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Ooh, a lot of tears. Weird, weird time. Yeah. Uh, Rachel. Hi. Hey. Um, listeners, I'm sitting in my kitchen in person with Rachel Kettinger, um, who is an amazing artist. And we're going to talk about that. But over the past year, she has become... I think it was even more than the year, right? You've just become one of my best friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been more than a year. I've I've lived in Philly this March three years. Oh, okay. Wow. So. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and to give insight, because I'm sure everybody's like, you're indoors without masks on. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in each other's pod. So we're in that, you know, small group that we... Um, feel comfortable being maskless around each other and we are maskless around each other on a regular basis because Mm -hmm. you got to have a few people in your life you can do that with. That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, I've wanted to interview Rachel for a while. I think I asked you, I asked you last year Mm -hmm. for an interview. Um, And the reason why is because Rachel did a really incredible thing during COVID. Um, she's like rolling her eyes. It's an incredible thing, Rachel. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and I really wanted to talk about this experience she had, but I, 
you know, being that I'm so close to her, I wanted to be sensitive to the fact that um, she was probably just going to have to have some time to process what she did. And a few weeks ago, you were like, hey, I'm ready to do that interview when you want to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is so exciting because you're literally like the only person I can interview in person right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Yeah. It's really wild. Okay. So, Rachel, do you want to like, let's just pull off the Band-Aid and tell everybody real quick because we're going to do the full interview thing. But tell them what you did. I donated a kidney to my sister. I donated my left kidney to my sister, Anna. Oh, wow. So you said left. Did you get to choose? Were they like right or left? I did not get to choose. Hmm. One of my kidneys is a little bit bigger than the other. So we had to like do this whole testing to make sure that one would, um, you know, be able to stay in me and keep me alive and also keep my other sister going, you know? Yeah. So, um, so the one that you kept, is it the bigger one? Well, what happened was different places do, uh, do surgery on different kidneys. Yeah. And the place that I had the surgery, which was Freighter Hospital in Milwaukee. Uh, Shout only out does, Wisconsin. That's right. Only does left kidneys because they have hmm. like a longer cord and they're easier to get to. And it's just kind of the easier one to get to grab out of you <laughs> that was it that's yeah. it that's yeah. the logic mm-hmm. okay so for a few things guys um the reason why she had her surgery in wisconsin is because rachel is from wisconsin that's right and you're gonna hear that in her voice <laughs> <laughs> you definitely got a wisconsin i do thing and you know rachel i think there's something about us that we click so well because we're both midwest girls mm-hmm. i love the midwest i do love the midwest we both can relate to our family thinking vegetables are more of a garnish rather than like something that should be yeah. <laughs> predominantly Canned on your plate. vegetables are equally as good as fresh vegetables <laughs> in, in my world. <laughs> Wisconsin times. In Wisconsin times. Um, okay, so yeah, Rachel gave a kidney. Wow, I remember when the night I said goodbye to you mm-hmm. to get to you were like I'm leaving to give this kidney and it I I remember crying a lot like I got to my then partner's house and just like kind of broke down because I was like first of all my friends leaving yeah in the middle of COVID yeah and um and also I was just like it's just like a wild thing you just you know it's gonna turn out okay and everything's gonna be fine but it is kind of scary yeah yeah Yeah. I didn't know you know yeah I was kind of just going for it So I'm really excited to talk about this experience with you because, uh, Rachel, in your elevator pitch, describe to everybody um, what you do and what kind of artist you are. So I uh, do metal fabrication. Um, I started off as a jeweler and I learned blacksmithing and I learned welding and I kind of learned a whole manner of different metalworking Uh, techniques. Um, In my own practice, I make kitchenware, I do custom commissions, different like tools, custom tools, things like that. Uh, I'm trying to do larger manufacturing 
and mm-hmm. designing with other companies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a full-time job, I work for a lighting company here in Philly and do most of their fabrication and some of the production management and just overseeing what's going on in the shop. Cool. So yeah. you're like me. You got a full-time job and then you hustle on your nights and weekends. That's right. That's fun. Mm-hmm. And sit right above Rachel's head on my wall is a fabricated and enameled spoon of hers. Okay, you guys, like, I'm just going to brag about her for a minute. Yes, she <laughs> is one of my best friends, but also, damn, she's really good at what she does. Um, like, her blacksmithing skills, the way that you will forge and file you just finish things in such a beautiful way it's very um clean and sophisticated and i think sometimes when people think about forging or blacksmithing they immediately think of these like hammer marks and bulkiness but your work is well finished would you agree with that yeah i agree with that Uh, i think that comes from learning jewelry making first Mm -hmm. and then realizing that I can scale that up into steel work and blacksmithing and forged things which is definitely an advantage yeah one of my my first paid studio job was with a blacksmith Erica Gordon oh yeah and she forged belt buckles and I remember her hire I remember being like why is this blacksmith gonna hire me I'm a jeweler but she was like no no I want a jeweler because (laughs) you guys are pay attention to detail as like a lot of blacksmiths don't and I want you to help me finish my belt buckles and I was like oh yeah got it we're meticulous yeah Yeah. it Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense to start small and see those small details and then work your way up also, mm-hmm. I while I was at home, I got a I ordered a belt buckle from her. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's beautiful. Aww. Mm-hmm. I want to see that belt buckle. I will. I'll show you it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Love Erica. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first met you, whew, guys, can't wait to share this story. When I first met you, were you mostly a jeweler still then? I was in Detroit learning blacksmithing, so I was doing both jewelry and black and like larger steel work at that time okay so let's give listeners insight to your background so where in wisconsin are you from so i'm from the small town called rosendale hmm. uh, which is about an hour north of milwaukee um, okay. and the larger town that's next to it is fond du lac okay i've heard of fond du lac been to milwaukee Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you graduated. Did you do art classes and things in high school? I did art classes um, my senior year, but I wasn't, it wasn't good. I (laughs) drew this weird yellow uh, Louis Vuitton, I think is the shoe that has the, is Louis Vuitton the shoe that has the red bottom? Louboutins, Louboutins or Louboutins? Louboutins. Yeah. I don't... Oh, God. Uh, whatever. We're either not fancy. Way, either I way, know. I tried to draw this yellow high heel, and yeah. instead of putting a red bottom on, I did a blue one, and I made the heel a spike. Yeah, of course and you it, did. And I, like, tried to paint... I was. It was a painting, mm-hmm. and I tried to paint this paisley... Um, carpet underneath it Mm -hmm. and I put blue glitter on it (laughs) and it was awful and my mom still has it on the wall yeah she does thanks mom (laughs) oh man I love that okay so So that's what I did in high school (laughs) you know what I relate because people are like oh you must have been an art club and whatever it's like no I was a choir brat like yeah nah yeah um so then did you what'd you do when you graduated 
graduated uh, college, high, high school. school, high school. Um, so my mom wanted me to go to college, but I felt like I nobody in my school was really going to go to college or like they were going to go to community college and I honestly yeah. didn't expect to go to college I was like oh, I don't that's not what oh, and weird. she so she pushed me to go to college and she told me to get a like just get a bachelor of science degree and I, I thought no that is not <laughs> something that would be good for me so I went to art school and oh. I found working with my hands really uh awesome you know I yeah. loved it what art school did it was you really go to? natural I went to the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee Peck School of the Arts oh okay so you didn't really go that far from home no it was about an hour yeah you know so did you move far. to campus yeah I moved to campus it oh, was yeah. brutal freshman year of college was rough because oh. I didn't know anyone at all yeah and I came from like a very small town so Making friends was really hard, but I, I did, you know, I, art school is awesome. Art school, art school is awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, did you do the four years straight through? Yeah, yeah. I found metalworking in a three D foundation class with my uh, really amazing mentor, Frankie Flood. Ah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite humans, and he kind of encouraged me to go into the metals program right away and yeah. I told him I did jewelry and he was like what kind of jewelry and I'm like beads <laughs> <laughs> I do bead work yeah yeah that's how it all started it was great yeah mm-hmm. you know it's I before I knew who you were I had visited there because my then partner um had gone to school there as well but you two didn't overlap did you guys know each other there we we're there at the same time, I believe. Oh, but wild. he was a ceramicist, so and I yeah. took one ceramic class and was like, "This is not for me." <laughs> so I did explore yeah. other things, but uh, even sculpture, I was like, I was thinking this was not the best move for me either. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I'm nosy, so he's like looking at ceramic stuff, and I'm like, whatever. And I was like, "Ooh, the metals studio," and so I like waltz into there and then I met Frankie oh great yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. then I was at Penland at the time as a core fellow and I told him that and he's like oh you want to see my studio and then like we go into his like studio on campus and it was crazy it's so much stuff in there yeah he's kind of like a mad scientist yeah once I realized that that was your mentor it made a lot of sense to me because in some ways I view him as somebody who's like I'm just going to try this and figure it out kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And I feel you're the same kind of person. Yeah. And then when you try things, you're the type of person I kind of want to hate because you're like, I'm going to figure this out. And then it's like the most beautiful thing ever. (laughs) Yeah. You're smiling at me, but it's true. (laughs) Um, Okay. So you meet Frankie. He encourages you to do small medals. Good on him. Mm -hmm. And you loved it. Yeah. I loved it. The other thing I wanted to mention about that that made so much sense was uh my dad owned an auto salvage yard growing up so my backyard was like tools and machinery and like every kind of weird object that you can imagine and cars so yeah I was surrounded by that stuff and had to do manual labor constantly as a child so it kind of came natural (laughs) That's okay. That's also a good point because I find things like changing a, a light fixture intimidating, or 
well like, like a lot of mechanical kind of stuff like that like I didn't grow up doing that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um it was never like here try to figure this out kid um and you're my friend I turn to to say hey I want to change out my light fixture and I'm afraid of electrocuting myself and you're like all right let's figure it out let's do this yeah um that makes a lot of sense how you're you approach it so much yeah Mm -hmm. no fear kind of thing that's right (laughs) yeah you you get down and dirty Mm -hmm. real easy Mm -hmm that sound weird i don't know um so you graduate with what was your degree uh it was um a bachelor of arts in concentration jewelry and metalsmithing okay yeah did you so your mom really encouraged you to go to school Mm -hmm. um did she help pay for that school is that she did not help pay for it okay so your Um, school was all on you yeah everything was on me you know i didn't have like counselors in high school who were telling me where to go or how to do it I just again I just figured it out and which was good in one way but bad in the other because I didn't understand what student loans were or like what a grant verse versus a loan was you know I just kind of wanted to try to do it and do you know I tried to follow whatever information I could find on the internet basically yeah um so through school I was paying for it but I also had these student loans yeah and by the end of those four years I had I think it was it was almost 30 grand in student loans so it wasn't a ton that I mean oh god I hate the fact that my initial response is 30 grand not bad I know (laughs) I know I know well Uh, that's lucky for me though because if I, I I didn't know what I would end up with I wasn't even thinking about that I just yeah. knew when they told me that I had to pay a certain amount by that you know semester I had to pay it because the loan wasn't going to cover it so yeah. I was just working to do that you know um because I dropped out of college twice and I still ended up with close to 30 grand it's all paid off now but like yeah I got nothing out of that yeah I'm just glad that I didn't go to like a private college or something where I ended up with like a hundred thousand dollars and didn't even realize I would you know yeah I just feel like that's yeah it's not talked about enough to like know what school would be better for what you're trying to do even if you don't know what you're trying to do or you know yeah well I just got kind of lucky really that's good yeah Yeah. and I did work you know I worked through it um Mm mm-hmm But then the other amazing thing that happened for me financially after college was this friend of the family who was basically like my mom's uncle, second dad kind of person, Mm -hmm. passed away. Him and his wife, Loretta, Irvin Loretta. Oh, amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. They they lived in the Polish neighborhood in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. um, right by. Uh, Rockwell Automation and it's like the Polish moon so anybody from Milwaukee would know what I'm talking about but um they uh they gave us some inheritance oh and that covered the rest of that those loans so you got this unexpected inheritance and you just paid off your student loans you're not the first person on the podcast with this story that's kind of wild Mm -hmm. and it came like perfect timing too you know I didn't expect it I you know yeah I was like okay great (laughs) you're like just gonna pay this now yeah Mm -hmm. so you graduate Mm -hmm. and i mean did milwaukee do a good job of 
to Frankie was like, these are the types of jobs you can get. Like, what was that kind of professional practice discussion there? Or were you like, okay, now I don't know what to do. Yeah, they. he was really good about it. My other mentor is Yevgenia Kaganovich, who is still the head of the metals department there, and she is amazing. And I worked for her through all of college as an assistant, and they both really helped me figure out where I was going. Yeah. Um. So... After college, I moved to Delaware. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I was moving, man. Moving and shaking. (laughs) Moved to Delaware for six months and worked for this amazing jewelry and gallerist, um, Heidi Lowe, who Uh, we know, who's a good friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's only two hours away, so we should go visit her again soon. We have visited her. We Mm -hmm. went camping and had dinner with her and Mm -hmm. pre-COVID. Yep. Um, I forget that you got the Heidi Lowe summer internship yep but mine was a fall internship because I was traveling that summer right after college Mm -hmm. um and I ended up there from August to December so for those listening who do not know and this is a really great um opportunity for I mean I guess it could be open to like international students but it's obviously based in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um Heidi Lowe has a notorious internship and it's a summer internship, correct? Typically. Yep. Um, And I think I've seen her uh, advertising for it recently. So I know it's like still happening. Okay, great. But she's been doing it for like over 10 years now. And it's really interesting when I find she's obviously good at picking them because almost every intern when someone mentions like, oh, I was a Heidi Lowe intern, it's like always somebody that's like a total badass in the field. And I'm like, dang. And she is, her energy, man, Heidi Lowe. She's great. She's She's really great. She's an amazing person. Um, Really sorry to say this, that we did a podcast interview that the recording just disappeared. I don't know. Um, So that's on my to-do list to re-record. But what do you get out of that internship? It seems like a really good deal. Well, it was great because, first of all, for me personally, I was just moving away from Wisconsin, which yeah. was, <laughs> it was brutal, but yeah. it was really good. Yeah. Um, and then as far as what I did there, I helped run her gallery. Mm-hmm. So I was in the gallery helping sell things, which was really fun because it was also around Christmas time. And mm-hmm. I knew that I learned a lot about trying to sell things to someone Mm -hmm. and like whether or not they're there to actually buy something or not and what they want you know like directing somebody to buy something is a really interesting weird thing that I was never part of I was always like making things you know Mm -hmm. and then I also helped her make things in her small like little studio behind the gallery Mm -hmm. so we were making her production work and doing some repairs and um yeah Yeah. it was great and it's a really interesting place because it's in Rehoboth which is like kind of a touristy little beach town Mm -hmm. like the first time I went there was with friends and we got um because they have like a boardwalk and I remember being on some bumper cars and having a good time Mm -hmm. and but it seems very seasonal and I think that's really smart too I mean everything Heidi does seems to be really smart but in the summertime it's booming Mm-hmm. Um, especially with like the tourism and the foot traffic. But in wintertime, I'm sure it seems like she's really smart about how she pivots her business to keep things going through that time. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that is another thing, right? 
right kind of while I was there, she was developing her educational program mm. and getting kind of toolkits together and doing these small classes mm. for like a ring making class or, you know, some small kind of project. Uh, and so I helped her with that as well a couple of times, which was r- really like my first experience teaching anyone. Oh, so that wow. was cool. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. So with the internship, I mean, you're moving somewhere for it. It seems like every intern is moving there for it. Does she give you a place to live? Like, what is the exchange here? Um, So the exchange was working 24 hours a week. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Uh, Sometimes she would provide a place to stay depending on what was going on or who she knew or what friends had a place available. Okay. Um, I ended up renting a room from my now friend Karen uh, and it was like everything was included. So I just, I paid for that and that was fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But it had everything included and it was affordable, you know? Yeah. So... Especially in the off season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It was off season. It was Hurricane Sandy that fall. Oh, so wow. that was kind of crazy as well. Um, it was a very, like, I'll never forget that experience, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was wild. Um, what did Heidi, but were you paid hourly by Heidi? Like, how did you financially I, support yourself? It was unpaid, but I got, oh yeah. So it was unpaid, but I got commission, which was great. I think it was 10% commission from whatever I sold in the gallery. Oh, okay. And I would either use, I made a list of earrings and jewelry that I wanted and I would either yeah. check something off that list or, <laughs> you know, pay for my rent. And then I also worked at, I actually went through a lot of odd jobs in that town. Ooh, while give me some good ones. <laughs> oh man, you know what? I um, I got proposed to by a Russian man <laughs> who wanted to marry me to stay in the country. Oh my and, god! You know, I, I considered it for a moment because I, like I think he was. I think he said thirty thousand. That's it. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like anything crazy. But I was like. Mm. Uh, Honestly, then, though, like I quit that job to get out of it. If it you was got weird. a prenup, uh, wow! I'm yeah, it was wild. I'm putting it through my head. I'm like thirty thousand. I mean, I guess like how long would you have I to mean, stay he was married? Young, you know, I think this kid was like eighteen or so, you know, it's, it's just a piece of have. paper. Yeah, but you never know what that leads to. Man, no way. Okay, <laughs> but the actual job that I really enjoyed and um, still to this day I have a relationship with is it was this restaurant called Amuse. Um, and it's mm. run by Harry Cameron. Um, and I think he just sold that business, but it had a bunch of amazing people working there. And I just yeah. happened to get in. And he was Heidi's friend as well. And yeah, um, she probably put in a good word for you. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. I loved it there. You know, whenever I will say, most of the time when I've moved places, like big place, you know, you have these jobs like industry jobs or working in restaurants they're kind of awesome because you have immediate like circle of people that you can be potentially be friends with yep um and the culture around working at restaurants and things it's like you get off work at night and it's like very easy to be like hey you want to get a beer or whatever yeah you know um you took me there yeah because we went back we went to Rehoboth and I I was an industry girl and I love going back to Seattle and going to this fresh restaurant I used to work at and I'll sit down at the bar and within moments, oh God, I remember the last time I was in there, somebody had poured me like a small bottle of bubbles and then somebody had like 
a glass of red wine in front of me. I think I had like three drinks within like 20 minutes and yeah. the chef came down and he's yes. like, he's like, oh, hey, Sarah, um, what do we have going on here? Yeah. Because <laughs> they treat you so, they treat you like family when you re- return. Yeah. Yep. We were treated very well that night. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. great. We ate so many good things, mm-hmm. drank really mm. delicious things. Yep. Yeah. And that bill was small. Yep. Yeah. Mm. It was awesome. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. So you have this like cool whatever. So when the internship ends, did you stay in Rehoboth for any amount of time or did you just kind of like bail immediately? Well, at the end of it, I knew that I wasn't going to stay. I, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to. And, and at the time I was like, Heidi had hired this other woman to stay there and work for her. And I was like a little bit bummed. I I feel like, but actually it was really good and I should have kept, and it was really good move that I kept moving on because it just led to more and more things. And while I was there, I visited SUNY New Paltz just for fun Mm because a couple of the interns in the summer were going to grad school there. So I wanted to go see what was going on there. And I, I wanted to meet Myra Mimlich Gray. Hey Myra. Just you know I just had heard so many things about her and about that place so I wanted to check it out yeah uh, and I'm at the time when I went there I saw a lecture by Gabriel Craig who is the owner of Smith shop in Detroit okay yep um and so he was looking for him and his now wife were looking for an intern to work with them in their new business that they had just started like six months before that metalworking business um, oh, okay and so i inquired about it and that's where i went next see how that works i feel like students are always like how do you get opportunities how do things happen it's like you just gotta show up and go to things and like pay attention and then if you see something that could potentially be an opportunity ask for it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so okay so you're like in Rehoboth you're like do I leave do I not you go for a lecture you hear these people talk they just started a business and then you reach out and ask if you could be an intern yep huh and they say yes yep yeah because they're probably desperate for help Mm -hmm. like who's gonna say no Mm -hmm. um and but how did you approach that in terms of like, what would the internship look like? I mean, it was going to be another move for you. Uh, we did an interview over, I think it was on Skype, which is hilarious to think about. <laughs> Who Skypes anymore? Yeah, oh my right. Gosh. Yeah. We did an interview and it went pretty well. And we kind of both, all of us were open-ended. We yeah. decided that it would be at least six months. Mm-hmm. And then from there on, we would see what happened you know yeah because they're figuring that as well exactly um did you what was the like the pay or was it unpaid or were they going to give you a place to live or anything it was really low pay um I don't remember what I started off as but I definitely had to get a couple of other jobs right away when I started there and so I worked at a coffee shop and I also worked at this amazing um, jewelry education uh, studio called Fritz and Friends Um, that's a nice name yeah yeah Jane DePotter was the owner and she's amazing human as well so uh, Mm -hmm. I kind of did all three of those things at the same time Mm -hmm. like from you know 6am to 9pm kind of thing how many hours were you supposed to be at Smith Shop for? 
honestly, I don't remember. I don't know if there was like a specific hour. I'm sure there was, but I was there like all the time. I was oh, there all the time. Okay. There wasn't, there wasn't from what I remember, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't like a come in at this time and leave at this time. It was kind of like, let's all figure it out and do it. And you know, which yeah. I was down for at the time, but now I'm looking back and I was young and it was fine for me. But now looking back, like that was not good. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. Cause you went from Heidi who is so structured and has mm-hmm. this like ongoing program to something that is kind of like essentially helping them figure out what the program is going to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which Mm -hmm. can be a really rewarding experience um, because it helps you understand what you want out of an experience like that. And maybe in the future facilitate it for somebody else. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of things that I were very beneficial for me and there Mm -hmm. was a lot of things that now I can say I would never do. Yeah. You know, I've been I've done that with certain internship or opportunities. I'm like yeah. looking back on it, it's like nope, never doing that again. Yeah. yeah. Um. And you were in Detroit, so I think the other conversation to have here and acknowledge is that the cost of living was fairly cheap, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was very affordable. I found a house the day I visited and moved in. I think I moved in. I visited a couple months before I moved there. And oh, I yeah. just moved into this house with a bunch of awesome people. I got lucky again. Did you meet him? Was it like a Craigslist ad you had answered yeah. or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. While I was visiting that day, wow. I was looking at Craigslist. And I went there, and it was good. And it was close enough to my work. And, you know, yeah, it was the right price. And so. Made it work. Yeah, I made it work. What time? What? Give me a time stamp. What year are we at here? Oh, when you moved to Detroit, uh, do you remember? I believe it was the spring of 2013. 2013. How old are you? I'm 31. Okay. Got to give that insight. Because sometimes it's hard to like, you know, things are really different. The economy shifts so quickly these days. So it's like, yeah, 2013, et cetera. That is the year I moved. I started my core fellowship. That's when I moved across the country to Penland. Yeah. Okay. And, I heard about Smith Shop because Gabriel, I think, had strong connections to Penland or something like that. Not really sure. But I do remember seeing a lot of promotion around them. And it so at this point, you're a jeweler. Right. So but Smith Shop is very like fabricated, like ladles and forging and stuff. So is that your introduction when you get to this type of making? Yeah, it was a lot of kitchenware and like slightly larger than jewelry scale. Yeah. Um, There was some fabrication and I took a welding class right at the end of college. Mm. So I did have experience like welding and larger, larger kind of work a little bit, you know. Um, And so I was able to help them with certain projects and not have to have a lot of, uh, um, you know, training necessarily, but blacksmithing, I didn't know anything about like forging, Mm -hmm. like hammering a hot piece of steel. I had no, I had no idea how to do that. So I learned all my foundation with that there. Oh, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And I really learned to love it as well. I love it. Yeah. 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 You, well, it shows because (laughs) you do it well. Um, how long were you there? I was there for three years. You were there for three years. Um, I So <laughs> it's really funny. I think I'm the type of person that 
is very open to meeting people all the time. Like I meet people, it's one of those things, like I love community, I love connections, etc. It's really funny. I think Rachel might be one of the few instances in my life where I was just in this head, head space that was like, I don't really want any new friends. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. I'm yeah. so sorry about that. That's okay. Wow. Sure proved me wrong. <laughs> um, but I remember going to a conference in Minneapolis, and that was in 2013, I think. It No, it was 2015. No, no way it was 2015. It was 2014. 2014. <laughs> yeah, because I remember the 2015 conference. Yeah. Okay. okay, so then it was 2014. You're at... I go and we have a common friend, Adam Whitney, who's an incredible metalsmith who was closely tied to Penland. So I had met him briefly through my mentor, Sarah Lurcher, who Mm -hmm. knew him through Penland. See guys, it's all these like weird little connections that just trickle. Good Mm -hmm. Lord. How many degrees of separation from craft schools? Mm -hmm. Um, So I go to this conference and my friend, Adam, who I had like, grown a friendship because he was at Penland filling I don't know he was there for like a month or two or something but he talked a lot because he worked at Smith shop and he was like a very prominent role there mm-hmm. for a while um and so we go to this conference and we meet up there and I'm excited to see my friend Adam and he's like oh hey Sarah like I really want you to meet this girl Rachel she's really talented she's interested I'm trying to tell her to, like she should definitely be a core fellow she's interested in applying to the program blah 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 and like I think I was just <laughs> you're cranky I was so overwhelmed at Penland and everybody is like it's gonna be this magical experience but I was hating it mm-hmm. and I was really burnt out and I was really excited to go to the snack conference and not think about Penland and not be there um, and there's this also element of people who are really wanting to be core fellows and apply are like moths to a light with uh, like with current core fellows yeah right Uh uh-huh um so i just viewed the situation as adam forcing upon forcing this person upon me to be their friend and make some like connection so i don't need any more friends (laughs) so she could like get a one-up for her core fellowship application or something i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm so sorry that's okay i didn't it didn't bother me i didn't really that notice that much you know yeah whatever um but we do end up meeting and hanging out and it was fun i remember riding bikes around the city yeah um because you could like rent bikes i remember leslie noel being on the bike and me being like she's so cool that was so fun it was a really fun time great. jeff clancy was there yeah yeah hung and out with jeff clancy one night that, that was fun as hell just a bunch of cool metalsmiths mm-hmm. um and then you ended up coming to penland that summer that's right Yep. Mm-hmm. To assist a class or just take a class? Yeah, I assisted Lawrence Woodford, who is a Canadian artist, Canadian jeweler. And uh, because at that time they were doing international um, instructors and they were also having international assistants, mm-hmm. but there was some snafu with like a work visa or something, and it turned out they couldn't have international assistants. Oh, okay. So they kind of like emergency contacted Adam and Adam was already doing a session once that summer so Mm -hmm. he's he put in a good word for me and I was able to do this other session with Lawrence and it was awesome it was great yeah Mm -hmm. I've I've been emergency contact they wanted me to um 
assist april franklin in oh, the cool. iron studio but i couldn't it didn't work my schedule and i was so sad because yeah. i've never gotten to assist a class yeah it's yeah. the best yeah so you said hi to me and i think we like you know i was like oh that girl okay mm-hmm. she's nice <laughs> <laughs> wow uh-huh yep so um so you go to penland yep i went to penland mm-hmm. um i that following fall or the fall after I applied to the core once mm-hmm. and I didn't get it and that yeah. was okay. I just knew that I needed to um, make more work and try harder and just go for it again. And I had like a whole, basically a whole year to figure that out. And you wanted, I mean, I guess I touched on this, but from in your words, why did Adam introduce you to Penland? Like, how did you even know that this fellowship was something that you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. Well, I knew about Penland in college, and mm-hmm. that was the time when you had to mail in your application. Oh, and yeah. so I did apply once for work study, but my application didn't get there in time. Mm. And so they just mailed everything back, and I it was so disappointed. It oh, was like sad. a whole CD and printed images mm-hmm. and, you know, this whole thing. So I knew about it, and then he had kind of like reintroduced me in, to it in a different way. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to learn more blacksmithing skills yeah you know so that felt like the best place to do that Mm. um and just to make more of my work because when I was at when I was in Detroit I kind of got sucked into this business situation and didn't really make a lot of my own stuff or I wasn't focused on that at all which was really weird you know yeah like they didn't encourage they they didn't facilitate that for you they were too stuck on their own it was just too much you know it was just too much like Mm -hmm. mentally and physically i think so yeah um so then one of those falls the fall of 2015 i uh assisted seth gould and peter ross in the iron studio for two months okay and that was really beneficial and i'm so lucky that i had that opportunity um and that i was allowed to do that yeah um and, and that, that fall, I applied to the core fellowship again. Mm-hmm. And I got some of the work I made in that class was part of my application, which was huge, you know? Yeah. Um, I had, like, I was allowed that time and space to make things that I wanted to make, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I got it. Yeah. So I went back to Detroit for a couple of months, and then I moved to North Carolina. You got out of Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. How was your experience as, I mean, to give full disclosure, I mean, I saw a lot of your experience, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I came back to Penland a lot around that time, but yeah. we never overlapped there really. Right. So I followed right. along. It looked what you did. It was like, you guys, Rachel would be like, I'm going to take a shoemaking class <laughs> and then I'm going to make the most beautiful shoes you've ever seen <laughs> with like a brass or bronze tip on the toes like I just can't get over how adapt how much you would take a class and adapt to it and then just like nail it I loved it yeah awesome and you um did you work in every medium while you were a core fellow like I I really stuck with metals like the metal studio and the iron studio for Mm -hmm. the most part but I knew that I needed to expand my skills because that was the whole thing. Like going to art school, everybody said that you're not going to make money, you're not going to make a living. And that was a potential, you know, but I also mm-hmm. knew that if I just kept working really hard 
and learning different skills and different techniques and different studios and things that I would have like this wide range of knowledge that mm-hmm. I could take anywhere. Um, and so I, I did woodworking, which was really great. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, woodworking and metalworking go hand in hand. They're very different, <sighs> but they really do go hand in hand. They do. I, I kick myself all the time for never taking a wood class there. Yeah. And you're my friend that I'm always like, like just last week, we planned out my planters. She, you guys, she's going to help me build these like wooden planters for a balcony garden. Yeah. Because I have no woodworking skills. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like simple as like knowing how to use a chop saw, you know? And so I, yeah. I, I mean, I learned the fine woodworking skills as well, but um, and I made furniture, which was really cool. It yeah. blows my mind still. Now, going back to that, I'm like, I can build shelves and I can do stuff. But mm-hmm. all of that fine woodworking was kind of intense. Um, but yeah, I did fibers. Um, did you do clay? I tried to take clay once. Yeah. Um, but the, I, I'm not going to name this person, but the instructor was <laughs> not encouraging and was oh. kind of like, was basically like, this isn't your level class. You shouldn't be, which was good actually, because then I took an enameling class with Elizabeth Terrell. Oh, and okay. that was amazing. Oh, so you and I started, should have done that. So wait, you started a clay class, then dropped out because the instructor was yeah, like, it was like the a- Sunday night thing Ooh. where like you start the Sunday night, and then I was like, oh no, I got to get out of here. This sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And luckily, Elizabeth Terrell is this like amazing British woman who was like, I would love for you to be in my class. I'm like, oh my god, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Lemons in the lemonade. Yep, no that's right. Deal. Yeah. So I tried. I tried to d- diversify just to get some different skill sets, but I also yeah. really wanted to get good at metalworking you know yeah be very proficient in it and that I did that it was interesting too to see you know you're a metalsmith and then you're taking woodworking and then things like you guys she made this like beautiful rolling pin and I know a rolling pin is not something you typically like gush over but (laughs) hot damn your rolling (laughs) pin it's like turned brass handles it's mm-hmm. and you created like this beautiful thing that goes on the wall that it sits mm-hmm. what what word am I looking a for? A bracket. There mm-hmm. it is. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It just like hangs from this bracket. And it's stunning. Do you actually use the rolling pin? Yeah, we used it the other night. What did we make? Wow. I can't remember, but we used it the other night. You know, it's funny because I think because I have like all handmade cups and plates. Oh, you guys, she gave me this like cute little enamel plate the other day, (laughs) which I think is like the most beautiful thing. And you're just like, yeah, here you go. It's just a little thing I made. Um, I think like non-crafts people come into my house and they're afraid to use my cups. Like our friend Jason will literally grab like a mason jar (laughs) that I just keep on hand to throw whatever in. He'll drink out of that rather than like my beautiful handmade cups. They're like afraid to use them. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. It is tricky. Like Mm -hmm. I'm afraid to use your enamel spoon. So that's why it sits on my wall and it's beautiful. Yeah. I couldn't use the rolling pin. Oh my God, I can't believe you used the rolling no, pin. No, I use it. Yeah, yeah. I use it. Mm-hmm. It's I love just it. It's so fun. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I think the way that I work mostly is I want to make a thing and yeah. then I want to learn a new skill while I'm making that thing. And so I kind of create these pro- problems that I have to solve for myself. Mm-hmm. Like for the rolling pin, the handles are actually forged. But in oh. order to do that, I needed to turn this blank and make these dies for the power hammer and like figure all of that out, which was super interesting and make mm-hmm. multiples, you know? 
So that's why I like being around you so much because you do have this natural curiosity or you just, you do, you're like, I don't, I am a problem solver, but I'm not nearly as much all about it as you. <laughs> I don't give up on things, but I'm like, I don't really want to create a problem for myself. So I, I find that I stay too much in my comfort zone mm. and I admire the fact that you are always willing to be outside your comfort zone and Thank then, you. and then like make it, yeah, make it happen. Yeah, fucking do it. You know? Yeah. You do shit. Yeah. Yeah. God, mm-hmm. you're cool. <laughs> um, okay. So you're living at Penland. Also guys, it's important to note Rachel has a good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You are really fun. And I think, you know, like, it's so weird this day and age on social media. You can watch people and, like, kind of feel like you know them in an essence sense or something, you know? So even before Mm -hmm. you moved to Philly and we really actually became close friends, I was like, damn, that girl's cool. (laughs) Because you you're all about costumes oh yeah <laughs> okay mm-hmm. t- talk talk to the people tell them tell them some of your favorite things oh man well one thing i should note that is very important that uh i was actually gonna wear today is uh sarah brown <laughs> and our friend sophie miller got me this purple velour tracksuit <laughs> that has my name my like t- my um name embroidered on it yeah and it does beautiful purple velvet the whole suit <laughs> how could i not want to wear that all the time it's a, you know? it's a matching set yeah it's a matching set um what else a lot of sequins i'm trying to think of anything that was super noteworthy you're just the type of person that'll be like yeah i'm just gonna wear this wig tonight oh yeah and a pair of sunglasses mm-hmm. just because and <laughs> yeah. like be real casual about it yeah uh-huh. yeah and you're always like let's go on an adventure and mm-hmm. do this thing like even after this you and i are gonna go on a bike adventure oh yeah we might bike across this giant bridge because <laughs> well um we haven't done it and yeah i'm scared of heights and so why not bike across it <laughs> yeah yeah quicker yeah yep um but you, you just have a good time. You always have your Bluetooth speaker going. Yeah. You remember music. Um, yeah. She just winced because you forgot the speaker, didn't you? I definitely you? forgot Damn the it. speaker. Damn it. We gotta I get know. the speaker. I know, I know. We'll get some music. Yeah. Um, so at Penland, I just, you know, Penland's known for their, like, themed parties. And I would just see pictures of you and costume for all these parties. And I was like... Yeah, I love it. Yeah. You... I miss that shit so much. It was so fun. I don't know. I took... I took Penland and stride man it was great there's like life's rough you know you gotta like take everything as you can (laughs) and have some good time yeah exactly I think you're also somebody that I really admire and want around me because you do remind me of that like we as artists oh god this last year especially Mm -hmm. exceptionally yeah um we put so much pressure on ourselves to have these like really prolific careers and studio practices and etc and I think sometimes I have a really hard time saying Sarah it's sunny outside like get off your computer and just go outside and enjoy it yeah yeah Um, and like plan for that you know like I worked my ass off yesterday in the studio so that today we could have good time yeah that's the move exactly (laughs) yeah yeah um so what I remember that feeling of dread when like the core fellowship is kind of coming to an end because you're in this like really wonderful supported bubble and you don't really know what to do. I lucked out because I got a residency that I could just transition to. But mm-hmm. there's a few months when I did not know if I was going to get that. And it's hard. Um, what was your intention 
after Penland? Ooh, that was hard. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I didn't know if I should work for another artist or if I should just go get a job. I knew I needed to make money. Yeah. Because that was one thing at Penland that was kind of hard. Like, you really had to, like, create money for yourself. And yeah. luckily, you know, there was places to sell our work and they were they were encouraging in that way but we didn't get paid yeah. so there was a lot of like tough, well you tough do, times you you get a stipend but it's like yeah. 50 dollars every two weeks yeah it's nothing yeah um so i knew i had to get a job at least mm-hmm. for a minute to make some money and feel yeah. like i you know and so i ended up um, moving to Philly and working for uh, this artist and blacksmith Warren Holzman, mm-hmm. who is an amazing artist as well and yeah. makes awesome shit. Like, yeah, I had yeah. heard about him when I first moved here and I was like, oh yeah, yeah that guy's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, we had just been connected because I was working at the Penland Iron Studio and he has connections there and has been there a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, so you are like transitioning. Yeah. And you did you reach out to him and say like, hey, I need a job. Would you happen to have one? Like, how does that happen? Oh, that was like a lucky thing as well, too, because I got a, a call or text or something from Elizabeth Brim. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks before that, she was kind of asking me the same question that you're asking me. Like, what do you think you're going to do? Or what oh, you? yeah. And this wasn't right at the end. This was in like November, which was like months before it was going to be done. But I yeah. knew that I needed to make plans because that's just how I, how I operate. Like, I have to know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and so I was talking to her about that. And I'm like, maybe I would work for this person. Or it'd be really great to work for that person or do this or whatever. And she called me, you know, and told me that he was looking for somebody. Mm. Um, and so she connected me with him and we talked and he had me come visit. And that was it, you know? Wow. Yeah. Did you, I, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I remember you reaching out to me. And we're like, I'm moving to Philly. We should hang out. Um, did you know anybody in Philadelphia? No. That's right. That a girl. Again. That a girl. Again. I, I was, love it. Oh, it was brutal. Every oh. time I do that, I'm like, what was I thinking? Oh. It takes a while. I did the same thing here. Yeah. And I was like, and I moved. Um, the first time I ever went to Philadelphia was the day that I moved here. Yeah. Like, I didn't even Ooh, visit yeah. before moving. Yeah, that's yeah. a bold move. Mm-hmm. But I did know somebody, and they had, from like my hometown in Iowa, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they had bought a house and were like renovating a house into an apartment space and I of course was broke because you know yeah yeah as you are right and um so they were gonna give me like cheap rent to live in this space while they're finishing it that's cool and that was in Germantown yeah that's far yeah on a map I was like oh this is great I'm gonna be like kind of close to downtown Philly's not that spread out blah 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 and then I got here and I was like oh my god I am isolated yeah it was far yeah it's far out there Mm -hmm. where was the first place you moved when you moved to Philly I moved to this like semi-punk house in West Philly yeah. <laughs> uh, with a bunch of random people, and uh, it was great. For, yeah. it was only for a few months. Was that Craigslist? No, it was. I can't remember her name. 
it was a connection that I made through Penland, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a few months. And then I house sat for this other person I met in farther West Philly. And that was isolated. Oh, right. I remember biking yeah. to meet you there. And I was like, okay, you're further out than I thought. Yeah. And I was by <laughs> myself and it was a weird time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for reaching out to me when you moved here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy we did that. I can't even remember what's the first thing we did. Like, I feel like... I don't remember either, but I do remember a night I was going to meet you, and I hadn't... At first, I wasn't using my truck at all. I have a little truck, Mm -hmm. and... I was just taking the train to work, which was awesome. Yeah. But that night I was going to come to you and my truck didn't start. And I was freaking out because I'd never had that issue before. Yeah. And then it, and I think it was just cold and it hadn't been used in a while. But and it, it's been fine ever since. But I was like, oh, no. And I was going to meet up somebody and like hang out with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and when you have no friends, you're like, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. Oh, funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, so you worked with Warren, mm-hmm. and then you actually—how long did you work with Warren for? It was, it was a little over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, topic at hand. Mm-hmm. I remember at some point in our friendship, you telling me about your sister, um, and that she essentially had a like failing kidney or what is what exactly was her condition yeah so um she went to get lasik eye surgery because she had really bad uh vision yeah and she was going to get these basically not it's not the same lasik as like somebody who has like mild vision problems she was Mm -hmm. getting like implants of like lenses in her eyes because she had like real bad vision oh wow so when she went to do that something they do is check your blood pressure Mm because blood pressure has a lot to do with your eyes and they noticed that she had really high blood pressure and that Mm -hmm. was the beginning of everything like they were like do you know this and she didn't know that because when you have high blood pressure you don't actually feel it necessarily yeah a lot of times you don't so um and that was kind of the beginning of her going to the doctor and then figuring out that she had kidney failure you know and I can't remember what this stands for but her disease was called IgA so (laughs) we'll google that later yeah and there's a lot of different kidney diseases but this one wasn't um hereditary Mm -hmm. it wasn't uh, anything that she did that they know of it's kind of like the mystery disease from what I understand happens. yeah it happens and it's like nothing that she did wrong or you know like she couldn't yeah. prevent it from not happening so she was 28 at the time yeah. um and she was at like a 30 percent function with her kidney at the time as well that's crazy how you could like but did she feel sick ever not then no yeah because she never i mean that's wild i know yeah it's crazy that's why it's a tricky thing because it's kind of sneaky you know yeah it does seem sneaky um so okay so she knew she was gonna have this issue for the rest of her life you know Mm -hmm. and that was a lot but we didn't i personally didn't really understand necessarily what that meant you know where were you at in your life when you found out about your sister's kidney like, were you in college? Were you at Penland? So she is, I think she's six years older than me, six or seven years older than me. So she was 28. I would have been like 20, 
23, 20, 22, 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been in Detroit, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I was kind of doing my own thing and like figuring out my own thing. Um, yeah. And not really thinking about it that much, you know, because yeah. she wasn't like in bed or, you know, she wasn't like dying. She was functioning normally. She just had mm-hmm. to like maintain this, this disease. So, um, but then also while I was in Detroit a few years later, she kind of, at the time in the beginning, I was like, if you ever, you know, if you want me to get tested, like I knew that that was going to happen eventually. We but all knew that. a kidney that yeah that she was gonna need a kidney yeah eventually you know especially because she was at 30 percent function it's like it can stay there for a while but eventually it's gonna get worse and worse and she was only 28 you know so um so at some point she asked me to get tested and I was like yeah of course and I figured immediately that I would not be a candidate (laughs) why (laughs) just because I'm just like a haphazard kind of person you know like I just do whatever I want and I don't like necessarily at the time it wasn't like treating my body as like a what did we talk like body as a a temple temple. yeah like no (laughs) dumpster (laughs) over here yeah the last thing I was doing so um I called a number and it's really easy to you know do this initial like screening basically I called a number I talked to somebody they asked me questions they're like that doesn't mean that you can't do it you know and then it just yeah. progressed from there did she ask you or were you like hey I want to see if I'm a eligible candidate well in the beginning I said that I would be willing to get tested you yeah. know and then as time went on she at one point she was like okay it's time for you to see if you can be you know if you can get tested if you still want to do that you know yeah so yeah huh so Mm -hmm. you get tested yeah I got tested I did a bunch of tests it was a very long process is that Um, where were you when this process was going on uh man it's so hard because it it was over a number of years like the initial I remember sitting I don't actually remember where I was, but Mm -hmm. from the first like day of testing at Freighter to Mm -hmm. the like going home to do the kidney donation, I think was almost three years. So this has been in the back of your mind for a long time as you're like going, figuring out your career and your studio practice and pushing yourself in the back of your mind. You're also like, I might give a d- kidney someday. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. And it was it was both ways where it was like I wasn't quite ready, and they needed to do continued on doing testing, like, and I had to go home to do that. And also, they kept kind of putting it on hold because Anna was still at a high enough function that yeah. it wouldn't make sense for me to be like ready right then because they would just have to do everything over again when she actually was ready. Okay. Hmm. Did anybody else in your family test available to donate? They did not. Yeah, so it was no. just you. It's just me. Wow. Yeah. How did you feel? I mean, I feel like that would feel like a lot of pr- pressure somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of pressure, but yeah. um, you know, you just gotta figure it out and see what yeah. happens. Like that's the other thing. You can never know until you just see what happens. Like I. I definitely contemplated a lot, but I also knew that I just needed to like roll with it, you yeah. know, because otherwise it would just like consume you. I feel like, you know, and I'm sure your sister is in this position of 
need enough kidney but not wanting to put pressure on you yeah she was really good about it you know she was constantly like if you say no like even when you're like the day of surgery it gets totally okay I totally understand and she's so good about it and she's so nice and I just love her so much you know so yeah it was it was it wasn't that hard you know it was a little bit hard because of what you know what we're talking about like the initial tests were like um you can't take IV, you can't take NSAIDs, which is like ibuprofen and anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. medication because that is bad for your kidney. Like your kidney can't process those things very easily. And when yeah. you only have one kidney, it's like harder for it and will like make it deteriorate oh, quicker or yeah. like make it function worse over time. Mm-hmm. So that was like kind of the number one thing. I was like, I work like in a very physical very physical job that I have to be like 110% every single day and it hurts constantly mm-hmm. and you know it's just like those two things did not go together at all yeah so that's kind of when I started thinking that I might need to make like another like I might need to make another career change you know or something like I didn't know how that would go but I was yeah. starting to think about what that would mean and also just as a person who would get older and not also be able to do like heavy blacksmithing for the rest of my life yeah you know well I do remember once you told me about this I always like playing devil's advocate with you I did that so many times I was like okay so but but I do remember your job at Warren's was really physically demanding. Yeah. Like I would see you after work and I was like, whoa, your job is not like mine. Um, yeah. You know, like you're yeah. just like completely covered in dirt and exhausted. And yeah. Um, so when you, it's hard for me to grasp this. Okay. So you're doing all these testings. I become closer with you. I hear about the testing. I was really taken aback. I was like, whoa, you're doing that? Um, And then I would ask you all these questions about it because I just found it to be such like an an interesting process. Um, What did you decide to transition from Warren because you knew you needed a job that was like maybe more aligned with what you could be capable of after the surgery? Like, is that a way to say that? Well, not necessarily. I didn't really know. I knew that I wanted... I knew at that point I wanted to like do further testing mm-hmm. and donate this kidney. And yeah. I knew that I was going to be, you know, I just knew I needed time to figure that out. Yeah. That was like the number one thing. So I remember that period of time. Yeah. So yeah. that period of time, I, I literally like took six weeks off of work and mm-hmm. did a bunch of different things during that. But um, one of them was like going home to get more testing and yeah. seeing what that conclusion was. Um, and that came to be that I, I was a candidate, I was a match, but that yeah. she still wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Um, and at that time I was like, maybe I'll move back to Wisconsin, you know, like, oh, maybe I remember I'll... that time. I was yeah. Like, Do I was not like, move and leave me here. I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll move back and like, then I'll get to spend more time with my family and my mom. And like, yeah. you know, maybe it's time to do that now, you know, even though I'd never imagined that. Um, but then I went back and that was great, but I was just not, that's not, I don't think Wisconsin's the place for me still yet. Maybe one day. Maybe someday. Yeah. I was like, nope, not that. Mm -hmm. So 
um, I came back to Philly and I started this new job thinking that it was like, it was part time. I was just mm-hmm. doing it temporarily trying to like figure out what I was doing. Um, but it became pretty clear quickly that I could, I could do it and I was good at it and it was a good job and I yeah. really enjoyed, I enjoy making lighting and I enjoy doing like brass fabrication and all of these things that I do that I really enjoyed. So yeah, I stuck with that knowing that maybe I would have quit again, you know, or whatever, yeah. just trying not to feel too guilty about, um, having to make transitions kind of quickly if I had to you know how did okay so yeah I I, I remember this part because I was like did you tell him about it because I mean it's kind of hard like getting a new job and then being like oh hey I'm gonna be donating an organ so I don't know like yeah. how long I'm actually gonna be able to work and there's gonna be this period of time where I'm just gonna have to go leave and do that yeah did you were you upfront about that or when did that conversation I was not upfront about that because it still, I didn't even know if it was going to happen. And there was a period where I was kind of like, I don't think I should do this. I don't think it's good for me. There's too many risks or there's too many things that don't make sense about my life. And no matter what that my lifestyle is going to be, you know, so I was like, maybe my sister should get tested because she's like in a more stable place and all these other things. So yeah. Um, it's complicated, you know, but well, because it's not, it's not just about giving a kidney and this is things that we would have those like drunken yeah. heartfelt, a lot yeah. of tears, a lot of talking yeah. nights about like it's donating a kidney, but financially you're not getting paid to do this. Right. Exactly. So it's like financially, how's it going to affect you and potentially in the future, your ability to work. Right. I feel like we also had conversations about like it affects your ability to have children. Yeah. Yep. Which it affects everything. <laughs> it kind of affects. I mean, even when we hang out now. Yeah. yeah. It does mm-hmm. affect things. Mm-hmm. So I made sure. So when it finally did come to the time when it was during COVID and I was like, I'm going to do this, <laughs> you know, Yeah. Um, I talked and I wasn't working at the time, you know, and when we finally came back, I talked to my boss and. Uh, I just explained that I wanted to do this and I understood that if it wouldn't work with this job then that was just the way it was but he was super supportive and Mm -hmm. I also took on like an extra job I basically calculated what I would be losing in income while I was gone yeah and then I got a job to make that up while working full time as well, you know. Like you did like a pretty sizable commission. Yeah. Like in your It was like a side practice. freelance job. Okay. Yep, it wasn't in my studio. It was like a fabrication like freelance job. So you hustled real hard. Yeah. prior to kind of save up as much as possible. Yeah, to like to replace the money I knew I wouldn't be making while I was gone. How Yeah, and you know, I I will remember it just seemed so sudden. Like, this was always a conversation. It's like, yeah, I want to donate this kidney, potentially, blah, blah, blah. And then in the course of, like, a few weeks, it was like, okay, she needs it now. It's go time. Yeah. I'm going to be gone in, like, four weeks. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm not ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so selfish. I know. But I was, but I, you it was know, wild. You mean so much to me. And I was like, okay, this is happening, you mm-hmm. know? like, mm-hmm. And I just so badly wanted you to, like, feel prepared and yeah good to go it was good I did it I did Mm -hmm. everything I needed to do I was very supported by everyone around me yeah um and 
you know, Anna's doing great. Yeah. Um, so how long? Wait, you guys, you were texting the day of the surgery. P.S. I just want everybody. Oh man, to know I that. was high as hell. <laughs> I was drugged up. I was like, how is oh, also, you guys, I introduced during COVID on my birthday. Um, my roommate <laughs> had a COVID birthday party for me, so she invited my two best friends because, of course, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. And it was Rachel and my friend Jason. Mm-hmm. And um, sparks flew mm-hmm. at that birthday party, mm-hmm. and there. <laughs> dating <laughs> so it which is That's so funny because right. it was like two separate groups of friends but now it is like now i can just text one of you and it's yeah. two for one all uh-huh. the time mm-hmm. um and so i remember you know not wanting to bombard you because you just had this huge surgery and i'd be like jason have you heard from her and he's like yeah she like texted me two hours after she got out of surgery or yeah. something crazy like that yeah yeah i mean i was feeling awful it was rough <laughs> yeah. it was really rough but they gave me a lot of drugs and uh i was in there i was in the hospital for three days yeah and you know that's the only i was thinking about that after that's the only kind of scenario where i'd ever want to be in a hospital like you <laughs> Don't get to even... choose it you get to choose when you're you know yeah like i feel so bad for anybody in a hospital whether you're there as having illness or working there it's just brutal yeah. So, and I also never want to have to go to a hospital again. <laughs> like, I'm just, well, just keep a good old righty tidy over there. Yeah, exactly. Wait, have you named the kidney the one that's we, left? You know, we named them, and I can't remember. I know the one that I, the left one that is in Anna is Alma. <laughs> and I can't remember exactly why. I'm just bad at that kind of stuff. We like maybe we were drugged up when we decided that. I don't remember, <laughs> but we definitely went through a whole situation with with naming all of them. But yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a fun fact. You guys have learned so much about kidneys through mm-hmm. Rachel. So her sister, it's not like they take a bad one out and replace it. They just add it in. Yeah. So yep. she has three kidneys. Yeah, she does. Didn't we Google it? And it's like some people have like four or five kidneys. Yeah. They just yeah. keep getting yeah. kidneys. You gotta, yeah, you got to keep adding it in there. So she could potentially need another kidney in like mm-hmm. 20 years or something. Yeah, maybe. The cool thing that I realized like recently towards towards like having to donate and all of this is that I was a we were a perfect match. Yeah. So there's like... You could be a match of two, four, or eight, mm-hmm. and we were like eight points match. So oh, that's amazing. That means that um, eventually she'll have to take less anti-rejection medication yeah. because she has to take medication. Um, this the way that she's taking anti-rejection medication is a like an infusion that she does once a month. Okay. But a lot of people they take a pill every single day for the rest of their life. Oh wow! So yeah. um, that's a lot, and it's really expensive. Um, yeah. So that's that, cool. That's that's a good, a good thing. point. Okay, so you donated a kidney. What? How has the cost been covered? So her insurance covered. The costs. Oh wow! There is, um, there was a program through the hospital or through like the National Kidney Foundation where we could have gotten some money for like travel and things, but that yeah. was for they look at your taxes and your income, mm-hmm. and we didn't qualify for it, uh, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but she also did a fundraiser, uh, and we raised some money through that, and that covered. And thank you everybody who donated. Um, and that covered a lot of my like my gas because I drove there and drove yeah. back 
Um, and just like any other kind of random costs, we just kept track of it. And she gave me some money from that, which was really nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. So you're back. Oh, man. I re- oh, yeah. So the purple velour jumpsuit, my friend, <laughs> our friend Sophie and I, I was like, dude, Rachel's going to be gone for months. You were in Wisconsin for how many months? You know, I think it was four months. Four months of just like chilling out, hanging with it your mom. It was ma. like three months, actually. That's it. I know. It felt like four months. Though. It was longer than I expected because I had some like complications, but it was, you know, it was good. Yeah. In so you just had to like lay around and heal. Oh, man. I didn't, ha- I didn't wear pants for like those full three months. It was crazy. Oh, right. Because like that's right where your little incision was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. And we got you the velour tracksuit, mm-hmm. A, because I knew you would appreciate it mm-hmm. and actually really wear it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Even after mm-hmm. surgery time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like we just wanted to send you something that could be really comfort comfortable while you were healing. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Like I love it. Out. And then Rachel comes back with gifts. Like she got, you got crafty during your healing period. Oh my my gosh. I got these like embroidered um, dish towels. One has a pineapple on it. Uh And the one, the one your mom made me has like hearts on it. Mm -hmm. Guys, her mother is so amazing. Jean. She uh, made me these handmade pot holders that I freaking love Mm -hmm. so much. She's like, just let me know if she ever needs any more. (laughs) I kind of want them, too. I kind of want them. Yes, I'll let her know. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, So you you came back, and I just gave you the biggest hug. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow, what a blur. So how has it been transitioning back to work? Like, how does your body feel? It's weird. It's fine. Like, most days, it's kind of just like, I don't feel anything at all like I wouldn't notice it except that I have to drink a lot of water oh yeah every day like I have to drink a certain amount of water every day and I'm really good about that and that Mm -hmm. also helps me because it reminds me that I need to be careful about certain things like lifting and Mm -hmm. you know just being aware of like machinery around me and like something that could hurt me or you know yeah um and I at the be- there's been like waves of issues where it's like it hurts and I don't know why it hurts but maybe it's fine you know and then mm-hmm. it's like it's fine it doesn't hurt at all you know and that could be just things still healing in there or it's a little it's it goes back and forth in my brain where I'm like it's probably fine you know you're gonna go to a checkup soon it's totally fine but part of me is like I don't know what the fuck's going on in there <laughs> you know like, I, don't I don't know what that one kidney's doing over there yeah yeah, yeah. so we'll see you know it's it's been okay working in my studio has been weird because Mm -hmm. that's like more of a mental thing than anything and trying to get everything done that I want to accomplish is already you know in general terms is hard because you're well impossible we set impossible standards for ourselves Yeah, yeah yeah and then like adding this on and just seeing kind of you know, I'm, I didn't have any expectations, but kind of in a way seeing how I, how much I've fallen behind, which yeah. I know isn't a good way to look at it. I don't like hardcore yeah. look at it, but I have, you know, like there's these things that I wanted to make like last year and I still can't get to them quite yet. So yeah, it's just like keep striving for this thing that I'm like, oh, it's so close, I think. So and I'm getting closer and closer to these things. But um, and then your friend whispers in your ear. You donated a kidney. Yeah. It's like that in of itself is a huge studio accomplishment or like a huge project you completed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just have to remind myself of that, too. And 
everybody understands. So yeah. that's good. And you you went back to work fairly quickly, I feel like. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that I was good. And yeah. I didn't go back to work until January. And I, But when I did, mm-hmm. you know, it was like wild. It was totally insane. Um, and I think, I think I did a good job. And I feel pretty yeah. good about it. So... You're yeah. doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as a silly thing, I think we both were like, what is it going to be like afterwards? And I was like, dude, I'll be your friend that just like sits at home with you and we never drink and we mm-hmm. eat only really healthy foods and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But I mean, not that we're like alcoholics that just like eat junk food, mm-hmm. but everything seems for the most part, it's like fairly normal. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I just make sure that I'm paying attention. You know, I yeah. check my blood pressure, drink a lot of water, mm-hmm. you know, eat salads and things. I don't know about around. the blood pressure thing. Do you have to check that every day? I don't check it every day. I can if I want, you know. Oh, you have like um, a little thing at home? I have a little, it's a little wrist cuff. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's like one good piece of evidence to know if something's messed up mm, yeah got it and when I go home for a checkup I'll go home for a six-month checkup and a year checkup and then a two-year checkup yeah um, and then everything beyond that is kind of on me and my doctor my personal doctor and things but um, mm-hmm. they'll check obviously my blood pressure and like normal normal things about yeah. your body when you go to like get a physical and then they'll check to see if there's um any like protein in my urine which would indicate Mm. that my kidney isn't working properly oh weird yeah Mm -hmm. so we'll see yeah we'll see how it all goes and i'm sure it's gonna be fine but who's to say (laughs) do you have a sick scar i haven't seen your scar oh really yeah yeah Yeah, i'll show you i have three scars oh nice so oh this is a kind of a fun thing to talk about (laughs) yeah lay lay it on me um when they were describing how the surgery was going to go they're like Mm -hmm. you will have an incision below your belly button about like the length of your fist yeah and then you will have two incisions on the left side of your body that will be um scopes that they like put in there and then they were describing that they'll Oh, it's so weird that <laughs> the surgeon will reach his, his hand inside of you and grab your kidney and wrap it in a cheesecloth-like substance. <laughs> like, this is what this woman was telling me. And I was like, oh, what are you saying? Why did you have to describe the cheesecloth-like substance? <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, so they did that, and then they sewed me up. Um, so I have three, I have three, two little guys on the sides and then one like right below my belly button that I had to like get staples and it's like a little bit more gnarly. Ooh. Well, we're, we're having a little adventure this weekend. I mean, cause we're in our pod together and mm-hmm. then our friend Sophie, we're all getting tested and doing, um, like a little cabin trip mm-hmm. so we're gonna go swimming mm-hmm. so i'll get to see your scars yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. cool yeah it's man good. i just love you to bits i love you too it's such a cool thing you did in such like a i always want when i said i played devil advocate i did that i was like rachel let me just be really selfish because i wanted you to be like okay no kids or how's this gonna affect your body and the way that you just handled this and thought about it and viewed it is like such a lovely, beautiful way. 
Thanks. Um, your sister's really, really lucky to have you. She's great. And I your little her. kidney friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little lefty. Uh-huh. Lefty, right? Righty's left. Oh, okay. Got lefty's it. Lefty's gone. Okay. Lefty's out. <laughs> Um, Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up and go on a bike ride? Oh, that's adventure. Man, I'm so happy to have my first like in-person interview in over a year. Yeah, this is great. It's felt really good. Yeah. It's Uh nice to like, you know, be in the same room with somebody when you talk to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Our lives. Yep. All right. Well, everybody, this has been another episode of Proceed Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists. Until next time. Proceed Value is recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. If you love the podcast and you want to show your support, become our patron visit patreon.com slash proceed value to learn more or check out our website at proceedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening.